Okay, guys, we're going to, um, just so you know, for step nine, there was a lot I skipped. I just wanted to give more personal information. So there's a lot of really good information in there. So step nine, um, eight and nine is basically from 76 all the way to page um, 84, which is those nine step promises. And we talked about that earlier. Those promises we read in the meetings are ninth step promises. So if I don't get to the ninth step, don't expect to get the promises. Okay, so we're going to start here on page um, 84, which is right after the ninth step promises, which is step 10. So this second full paragraph, this thought brings us to step 10. So what's the thought? The thought is the prior paragraph, that these promises will materialize if we work for them. So if we don't work for them, we're not going to get the promises. And you'll see in this paragraph, you're going to see the word continue four different times. And Bill doesn't, Bill doesn't repeat words a lot, so when he does, I usually try to pay attention. So we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. This was another old idea that I had, that each step had to be totally completed before I moved to the next step. So I could not work, start working step 10 until I finished all my step nines. And the book is telling me that we vigorously commence this way of living. What's the way of living? The four through nine inventory process as we clean up the past. So you do a couple amends and you start living this way of life because life isn't gonna stop just because you're doing step work. We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding as effectiveness. So what I used to think was, these were the maintenance steps. And what the book is telling me is that they're growth steps. And how could I not grow by constantly doing this inventory process? And it's growing in understanding and effectiveness. So the way that I think about it is understanding is I'm always gonna be the student. I'm always seeking out new teachers, more understandings of the book and the step process. And effectiveness is how am I carrying the message. You know, when I first started working with people, it took me 11 months to get someone through the steps. I don't know how she stayed absent. <laughs> but as I got more and more familiar with the material, I started to get quicker and more effective. So now that I'm at, I'm at like six to eight weeks. And I find it absolutely fascinating, just jumping ahead, fascinating to watch how my sponsees are different than me. Because usually you wind up sponsoring like your sponsor because it's just comfortable, but then God starts to use your own talents. So I have sponsees, in fact, Jennifer was here last night, she didn't come, and she, she blows my mind. She takes someone through a chapter a day, and she gets people through the steps in two weeks. You know, I have other sponsees, even though I sponsor mostly on the phone, that won't sponsor on the phone. They don't like it. They always do face-to-face. -face. I have some sponsees that like to grab two or three people and take them through the first three steps together, and then when they give them the four-step instructions, and then separate them out through the rest of the steps. So we're united on the clear-cut directions in here, but each of us have special talents and special um, abilities, and I think that God's going to use each of us with those abilities and talents on how we're going to carry the message. So I'm going to be growing now as a student and a teacher for the rest of my life. This is not an overnight matter. It continues for a lifetime. So once again, this is like a dimmer switch, not a light switch. We're going to continue to grow in this information. So here's the definition of, here's the instructions for a 10-step. 
Continue to watch, and we talked about that, not work on. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. There's our step four. When these crop up, not if, we ask God to remove them, which is step six and seven. We discuss them with someone immediately, which is step five. And make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone, steps eight and nine. So a 10th step is doing four through nine right now. So the way I think about it is, in steps four through nine, we've had the luxury of looking back at the last 20, 30, 40 years of our life. But now, the jerk's right in front of us. The person cut us off in traffic. What do we do right now? So we're gonna apply that same skill set in real time. So you notice, though, the order's different. It doesn't go four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. It goes four, six, seven, five, eight, nine. Because now we're connected to a power. We should be going directly to that higher power that we have. I have a very good friend, um, or someone I really look up to. Um, I don't use that word sponsor. I like spiritual mentor. So I have a spiritual mentor. I have quite a few of them. And she cracks me up because if she, someone calls and says, I have a 10 step, she'll say, well, did you write down where you're selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful? Well, well, no, I just need to talk about it. Did you go to God yet? Well, no, I just need to talk about it. Call me back in 10 minutes. Click. <laughs> because, and this is, a, this is once again, I, I talked to an AA guy about this, and he told me he thinks it's a real Mars and Venus thing with guys and girls. Maybe we can ask the guys if this is true. That women, we just like to talk everything to death. So our 10 steps, we really complicate them. Whereas the guy told me, he goes, I'll tell you how I take a 10 step. A guy calls me, says, I'm a selfish bastard. I say, good for you, go to God. <laughs> and that's their 10 step. So, so, but as women, and this is just my opinion again, I think a lot of times when we're trying to work the steps, we confuse an outreach phone call with a 10 step. Because we do, we call and we want to discuss it and talk about it and get you on my side. That's my thing. There's something very healthy and cathartic about talking over our problems, but it's not a 10 step. And we have to know the differentiation. Doesn't mean you don't you know, make your outreach phone calls and you don't discuss things, but I think it's important we know what step work and what is just simply getting feedback from somebody. As, as women, we like, to, we like to discuss things over and over. Because the 10 step is a really quick process. Most of my 10 steps that I take from people or I give to people take like 10 minutes. You know, I know people that it takes them an hour and a half to do a 10 step. I'm like, I would never do a 10 step if I had to call someone and talk to them for an hour and a half. <coughs> so let's look at this process. Watch for where we're selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful. You notice it goes directly to that fourth column. Because what did we find out about those first three columns? That it, we can, people continue to wrong us and we continue to stay sore. But the first three columns was basically not helpful to us. It was futile and fatal. So they want to get, to get directly to where we get relief, which is the, those last four columns. Then we go to God. I'm going to assume that God removed them. And then we call someone immediately. Now here comes my opinion again. I believe immediately in 1939 was very different than 2015. Immediately today means I got to tweet somebody, I got to Facebook them, I got to text them, you know, all that kind of thing. They didn't have access to that. They just meant don't sit on it. My opinion again. So what I often suggest to people that I work with is when you get to step 10 is you've got to practice the skill set. 
So throughout the day, just stop. Don't even wait till you're disturbed. Because my, my experience, again, is anxiety and craziness was so normal, I couldn't tell when I was disturbed. So I would get to work at 8, at 10 a.m., and this is just for me again, too. I go to the bathroom a lot, and you notice that. So every time I went to the bathroom at work, I would take an index card with me, and I would write down SDRF. Where am I being selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful? And I would be shocked how much in the last two hours I was experiencing that without even realizing it. So just randomly throughout the day, practice the skill set. Maybe call a fellow and say, you know what, I'm going to practice some 10 steps today. Can I call you at night? And then read them that. If I had to wait to make sure I could talk to someone for every 10 step, I would, I would be in big trouble. Our lives are really busy today. And also, too, the immediately gets me into wanting to vomit on somebody because I'm upset versus actually taking time to do the work. So the other suggestion, once again, me personally, is I tell people to try to build up a network of like five to seven people. Because this is not about getting connected to me as your sponsor. My job is to get you through the steps. You need to create that community around you. Just the same way I have a best friend, but I don't expect her to know all the answers. I have a community around me that I ask for, my, for, my, for, for answers. So it takes a while to get that community around you. So you want to do just practice the skill set so when your back's up against the wall and you really need a 10 step, you have people you feel comfortable calling. Once again, my opinion, you, what I suggest you do is get someone who is, will bring you to the book and will tell you the truth. Because if you call someone and you give them a 10 step and their response is, oh honey, don't worry about it, go take a bubble bath. That's great information, but it's not a 10 step. If you call someone and they start yelling at you and telling you what to do, that's not a 10 step either. They're supposed to help guide you to what your higher power wants you to do. So it does take some time to do that. And I'm always constantly expanding. In fact, I've been feeling a calling to actually approach some of the people. Like I said, I go to AA meetings even though I'm not an alcoholic, to approach some of these women in AA and see if I can be 10-step buddies with them. Because their knowledge is really good. I need to expand those people that I, that I call for my 10-step. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. OK. So as I was at the meeting this morning, and as is common in most areas, we read the promises, the ninth step promises at the end of a meeting. I personally wish we read the 10 step promises. I didn't come to OA to have fear of economic insecurity leave me. I came to stop eating. So the 10 step promises at the bottom of 84, and we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Great meditation, who am I still fighting today? What am I still fighting? For by this time, we will have returned, sanity will have returned. What did I have in, in step two? I admitted that I was insane, and in step 11, step 10, my sanity has been returned. We will seldom be interested in liquor. It doesn't say never. So as you're going through the process, is, is the call to the food becoming less frequent, less intense? If tempted, we recoil as if from a hot flame. We react sanely and normally, and we'll find this has happened automatically. My experience of automatically is that when I stopped trying to fight the food and seek the solution, the food just kind of naturally went into the background without me trying. I was no longer having to play the tape through. I was no longer having to try to remember my last drunk. I was no longer trying to... Um, Think, you know, think, think, think it through. It just was naturally going into the background. 
we will see that our new attitude towards liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. I don't know about you, but I used to think waiters and waitresses were trying to poison me. You know, if someone brought, I don't eat bread, someone brought bread to the table, get it away! Like it was just, I was insane. So it's now, you know, I realized, I mean, actually I, I started supervising for the first time and at Christmas the girl gave us all um, cards and a candy bar. And she got me a sugar-free candy bar because she was like, no, you don't eat sugar. And I was just so touched that she made the, said, you know, the effort to buy me, I don't eat chocolate whether it's got sugar or not in it, but I, my whole attitude has changed. How wonderful was that for this girl to seek out and buy something different for me because she wanted me to enjoy it. And then when she left, I gave it to another girl at the office. You know, but that's my new dad. Like, how dare she doesn't she know I eat chocolate? Da -da 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 -da. Um, can I ask we, a question? Is that that neutrality that was spoken about last night? And that's going to be the next couple lines, absolutely. It says, we are not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not sworn off. Instead, the problem has been removed. It does not exist for us. We are neither cocky nor are we afraid. That is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So I don't know if you guys have the saying right here, I got to avoid people, places, and things. So that was, that was a big AA saying. I don't have to do that anymore. You know, I don't have to avoid holiday parties or, you know, I can't get coffee in a Dunkin' Donuts or whatever that is. That I'm in the position of neutrality, that I can appreciate what people are doing. I mean, when I cook for my family, my family's a little wacky because I, I, my mom's an OA and we have totally different trigger food. And she's also on a medication that makes um, proteins taste metallic. So I have to really watch that with her. My youngest brother's not a compulsive overeater, but he's diabetic. And I have to watch what kind of carbs. And my dad's a normal eater and he has to have like three servings of everything because he doesn't, you know, if it's there, he'll eat it. And I, and I, so I have to have like one dessert, you know, one dessert for my father. But I can do that because I want them to enjoy the meal. I don't feel invested in it. No one has to eat like me. Um, and I'm neither cocky or afraid. That was me. You know, when I lost a lot of weight and I was a size two, look at me. Everybody worked my food plan. I'll tell you exactly what to do. Cocky as hell. And then there were those times that I sat there, I'm one bite away, one bite away, one bite away. Oh my God, one bite away. If I see a McDonald's commercial, I'm going to binge. I'm not either of them now. I am in that place of neutrality, safe and protected, as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So I think of it like, you know, someone who, um, actually I'll give my own example. I, I started doing yoga like a year ago, and my yoga studio was closed over Christmas holiday. And because I missed, you know, a couple weeks, being 49 years old, I felt it. I felt it. My body felt like rubber after that first yoga class. I can't expect to be able to take off time and go back to doing what I was doing. Same thing with our fit spiritual condition. I have to make sure that I'm using those spiritual muscles on a regular basis or they will atrophy. Okay? Here come the warnings. I love the death threats. It is easy to let up on our spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. So it's easy. I'm feeling good. Why would I work the steps? I don't need God when I'm feeling good. We are headed for trouble if we do, for alcohol is a subtle foe, 
We are not cured of alcoholism. So for people who are, don't like that word recovered because if you think it means cured, they're specifically telling us we're not cured. What we have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So this is my opinion again, but I think all 12-step programs have watered down daily reprieve to one day at a time white-knuckling our substance. One day at a time white-knuckling our substance is absolute torture. What the big book tells me is, or asks me is, in the step one, am I done? Am I, will, am, I, am I done? Not am I willing to put the bed in the food today, am I done? And then when I get to step 10, I'm warned that I have a daily reprieve. I have one day of being recovered. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. So I can't work this program on Tuesdays and Thursdays only. You know, I must carry God's vision, not Kim's vision. My, my life is none of my business anymore. Thank God. When I, my life was my business, I made a crap hole. And all my activities. So once again, I can't practice these principles in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous and then go out and cause damage in my office and in my life. I have to practice these principles in all of my activities. How can I best serve thee? Thy will not mine be done. These are thoughts which go with us constantly. We can exercise our willpower along this line. It is the proper use of the will. So in step three, we're asked to turn our life and our will over to God. And in step 10, God gives it back to us because now we're in alignment with him. That's the proper use of the will. So then we're going to go into step 11 next. So I told you step 10 is that walking around step. Right now I'm disturbed. Now, once again, my experience, I thought step 10 was that nightly review. We, in fact, in region seven, we have um, a step 10, um, like, Journal, journal thing, and it's actually step 11 questions. <laughs> um, so this, that's the walking around step. Now step 11 is prayer and meditation. So back then, you know, when I think of meditation today, I think of my sitting alone in a room for 45 minutes chanting with monks. That's to me is what meditation is. Back then, it was just a spiritual practice of getting quiet with your higher power. So there's three practices that they um, suggest to us. One is an evening routine, one is a morning routine, and one is pausing throughout the day. And basically, we're taking four through nine each of those times. So at the top of page 86 is the evening routine. And I personally do this, everybody didn't do it last night, but I, <laughs> but I try to do this every single night. So what I'm doing is with step 10, I'm looking at that individual um, occurrence. Step 11, I'm looking at the past 24 hours. So I'm looking for those patterns. If, for me personally too, when something isn't resolved in step 10, I'm taking it into step 11. If I'm finding that the same thing is happening over and over again with step 10, I'm bringing it into step 11 and asking for God's help with that. Just wanna say that's just something occurred to me. What I found for myself personally is when I fully completed my step nines and I was actively working step 10s, I didn't have as many step nines to do because I'm stopping myself now before I'm causing harm because I make amends for harm, not for thoughts. When, I'm, when I am um, actively working step 11, I don't have as many step tens to do because I'm not getting disturbed because I'm doing that practice of step 11. I also unravel the same exact way. If I start to let up on my step 11, 
all of a sudden I notice I'm doing a lot more step tens. And if I let up on my step tens, all of a sudden I'm doing a lot more step nines. And that, to me, is the beginning of a relapse. That's going to eventually bring you back to the food. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at the review at night. It says, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. Now, what I used to do is destructively review my day. Let's list all the reasons that Kim's a piece of crap. So this is not about beating ourselves up. Once again, we're all human beings. We're just, we're just working these principles to the best of our ability. Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, or afraid? Here's our step four again, that fourth column. Do we owe an apology? Step nine. Have we kept something to ourselves which should be discussed with another person at once? Step five. Were we kind and loving towards all? I have never answered yes to this. Never. I'm a human being. What could we have done better? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time? Am I more identifying with self or with God? Or were we thinking what we could do for others and what we could pack into the stream of life? But be careful not to drift into wary remorse or morbid reflection, for it would diminish our usefulness for others. So that's just a reminder, this is not a time to beat ourselves up. We're not supposed to be getting all, you know, putting ourselves down. And to me, this is the big difference between step 10 and 11 to me. After making our review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. So I'm asking God, how can I change my behavior tomorrow? And that's why if I do that, I'm not doing as many step 10s. So if I'm constantly getting in a fight with my husband, let's say, what corrective measures should I be taking? Maybe when I come home, I have to ask him how his day is before I start telling him how my day is. You know, for, for me, with, with work, with this being a new supervisor, I've had to take a lot of corrective measures, a lot of humility, you know, calling people the next day, you know, I'm sorry, I, I wasn't paying attention. I had to do one recently. There's, we've had a lot of people out, and the girl next to me, this is, not, this is a coworker, and her mom had a heart attack, and she's been in the hospital. She's been taking half days. And I realized I'm so focused that I have to get out on time that I'm listening to her, but I'm not looking at her. So I said the corrective measures was the next morning I was going to go in, I was going to ask her how her mother was, and I was going to face her and look her in the eye and listen to what she had to say and saw how disrespectful I was. Even though I did care, my behavior was telling her that it wasn't important to me. So what corrective measures can be taken is different. Now the next thing is upon awakening. And I don't know if this is an old wives' tale too, but I remember when I first read that, I'm like, why don't they have upon awakening first? I get up first, then I go to bed. And someone told me what that nine, you know, 10, 11, and 12 are basically all happening at the same time. So they teach you step 11, and that night they're expecting you, I mean, they teach you step 10, that night you're doing step 11. So this is a continual motion that we're doing. So the way that I think of the morning routine is that it's a proactive way of asking God into our life. I already know now, what's going to be my problem? I'm selfish, I'm dishonest, I'm self-seeking, and I'm frightened. So why do I have to wait till I'm disturbed? Why can't I ask God to take those away from me before I, cause, I have the problem of it? So it says, on awakening, let us think about the 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day because before we begin, we ask God, here's another pair, to direct our thinking, especially asking it to be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. So I call this the divorce prayer. And someone pointed out a couple years ago to me, like, what do you divorce? 
You divorce something you once loved. So I loved my self-pity. I loved my dishonesty. I loved my, I loved me. Everything was about me. And I'm realizing now what's killing me is me. So I'm going to ask God to divorce me from these things before I even experience them. Under these conditions, we can employ our mental faculties with assurance for after all, God gave us brain to use. Our thought life will be placed on a much higher plane when our thinking is cleared of wrong motives. In thinking about our day, we may face indecision. I don't know about you, I face it all day long. We may not be able to determine which course to take. Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax and take it easy. We don't struggle. How many of you have heard that in the room, relax and take it easy? That's a very popular saying. Somebody confronted me lovingly again and said, would you look at the frickin' sentence before it? It says, we ask God for inspiration, intuitive thought, or decision. If I'm not asking God for that, I should not be taking it easy, because that means Kim's in control. So first I ask God into it, whatever that is for you, and then I relax and take it easy, and I don't struggle. I struggle all day long. That to me is a little sign that I'm doing, you know, no, it's not happening my way. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be the hunch or the occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. Being still inexperienced and having just made conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. We might pay for this presumption all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. So I like that word inexperienced, and I like to use this analogy that, you know, if, if you're a young person and you find out you're pregnant for the first time and you're scared to death because you don't know anything about babies, how are you going to be a mother? Oh, my God, terrified. And you have the baby, and you finally get comfortable with an infant, and the damn thing turns into a toddler. <laughs> and now you're inexperienced with a toddler. And then you get comfortable with a toddler, and they're going off to kindergarten. And you're comfortable with the kindergartner, and oh, my God, they're a tween and then a teenager, and then an adult. So even though you're always a mother, you're always inexperienced because the child is constantly changing. So what I believe is I will always be inexperienced in the spiritual world because life is always changing. And I will pay for that with absurd actions and ideas. So when I'm doing absurd actions and ideas, I go, oh, practicing step 11. And I'll just give you one example. I thought that was too, I texted some friends, because I don't, I'm really cheap, so I don't have HBO or anything, and this hotel has HBO, and I was really exhausted, I thought to myself, let me see what's on, and it was Fifty Shades of Grey, oh. or I was going to read a meditation book, and I'm like, what should I do? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I, I, reason I'm saying that is because I read those three books, and I, I love books, and I, I am a single woman. Not a good thing to be reading those books like that. It got me revved up. So one day I'm on Facebook, and I randomly searched this boyfriend I had from my 20s, and he was there. And I Facebooked him. And then I said, God's will be done. It wasn't God's will. I was saying, I wanted to do what I wanted to do, doing a Facebook booty call, and God cleaned it up this long. <laughs> That's just, that's just life. And thank God, because once I should have read his Facebook page before I Facebooked him, because once I read his Facebook page, not only have I changed a lot in 20 years, he's changed a lot in 20 years. Um, but it was just fun. Like, I'm still going to be a human being. You know, so, that, so that's why I just love the fact that the book lets us know that. We're not gonna, this is not about being perfect people. 
We usually conclude the period of meditation with a prayer and be shown all through the day what our next step is to be. We will be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask another prayer, especially from freedom from self-will. So to me, this is reconfirming my step three prayer. Free me from the bondage of self. We ask especially for freedom from self-will. And careful to make no request for ourselves. We may ask for ourselves, however, if others will be helped. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. I can't do that. I ask God for help with that, but I can't. I'm, I'm just, that's my default position. So this is why I said, this is my ideal. I use this silly example. I don't know if any of you guys bowl, and I don't bowl. But I know a perfect game of bowling is 300. Everyone who bowls wants to get a 300. No one's trying to get 200. But they know that their skill level, you know, you know the, the big thing is when you break 100 and you keep moving. So yeah, I know I'm never going to pray totally unselfishly, but that is my goal. And I work towards that goal on a daily basis. And then that next paragraph, just want to point out the last sentence. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they have to offer. So now that we're connected with a power, this is the time to play. So when you're talking to people, ask them what their step 11 practice is. Ask them who they're reading outside of, of AA material, no AA material. Who are their favorite authors? This is when people get involved with yoga and maybe even some transmental meditation. A friend of mine in California does American Indian drumming. That's kind of cool. So this is where we get to play. And what you can do is try it. If it works, continue it. If it doesn't, don't. But we're connected with the power. So we're, we're, we're now at the point where we can go outside and seek it from religious people, from spiritual people. That's why I said I love, I'm a spiritual mutt. I love reading different things. Um, so that's our morning routine. So the last thing we're going to go over, and then we'll take uh, some questions and a break, is what about during the day? So this bottom of 87 into 88 is where I try to live. So it says, as we go through the day, we pause when agitated or doubtful, and ask for the right thought or action. I think it was, I can't remember if it was the last couple meetings I went to, this one AA meeting, it said, <coughs> let me see, I think I wrote it in the beginning. But it was something like, do you want to, do you want to, do you want to get better or you just want to feel better? something along those lines. So I want to get better. And what I wanted for many years was just to feel better. So I'm asking God into the right thought or action, not just to feel better. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Why is that? Because I'm constantly trying to run the show. Humbly saying to ourselves many times each day, thy will be done. And here comes the 11th step promises, the way I look at them. We are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, or foolish decisions. So there's those emotions. If I'm asking God into the right thought or action, then I'm in much less danger of those emotions. Because I don't know about you, but if I'm chasing emotions, it's like a roller coaster. What this 12-step process does is it allows me to stay kind of even. And then I'm in much less danger of those ups and downs. We become much more efficient. We do not tire so easily, for we're not burning up energy foolishly as we did when we were trying to arrange life to suit ourselves. So this I think of as taking my spiritual barometer during the day. If I am inefficient and I am exhausted, something's out of alignment. 
I'm back running the show. So once again for me, this tweaks something that really meant a lot to me, is when people said, well, I gotta find balance. And someone said to me, that sounds an awful lot like you running the show, you're managing your own life. So if I'm feeling exhausted and inefficient, what I do is get into meditation with God about how I can become more efficient and less exhausted. So for example, a couple months ago, I was really getting tired and inefficient and I did some meditation and with God's help, I put parameters on my Candy Crush. I love Candy Crush. And I was playing it till like midnight every night. Now someone else might say, maybe I set up some boundaries and I, you know, I turn off my iPad at like 10.30. But I, any decision I do based on self is putting me at risk personally. So I went into meditation with my higher power and said, how can I get rid of this exhaustion? And he said, turn off the damn iPad. <laughs> so that's what I'm asking God to do. Because I have to tell you, and this is just a preview for step 12. When I, when I sponsored before, it was always, I, had, I never could have more than two sponsees. I talked to them every single day, and I managed their life. What an arrogant SOB I was. I admit my life is unmanageable, and then I'm trying to manage other people's lives. Me, who's never been married, never had kids, telling people how to raise their children and handle their marriages. So I was always exhausted and inefficient. Now I work with a lot of people, a lot of people. I, on average, have four people on the phones and two people um, uh, locally, and then I, I, I get them through the steps in 68 weeks and I get more people. And the reason I can do that is because I am just presenting the material. It, I, I get charged up and excited from sponsoring. If I am not charged up and excited from sponsoring, that's when I get, get into meditation. And nine times out of 10, it's because I'm trying to run the show. I feel like I'm in charge of whether they're gonna get recovered or not. So I'm always checking in with my higher power. Now here comes the shortest set, a paragraph in the big book. It works, it really does. And I remember hearing on a CD this guy talking about the fact this teenager came into an AA meeting and this, they had him sit down to this next to another 16-year-old teenager. And the te he goes, it was the best description I ever heard in 12 steps. The 16-year-old turned around to the other teenager and goes, this shit works. <laughs> so that's the shortest paragraph in the book. Next one, we alcoholics are undisciplined so we let God discipline us in the simple way we've just outlined. So what I used to do is let a sponsor discipline me, let a meeting discipline me, let a boyfriend discipline me. And it's saying here that we are undisciplined and we let God discipline us in the simple way we just outlined. So what's the simple way we just outlined? The steps. So my skeleton of my life is the recovery process. And believe me, Every person is thankful for it, whether they know it or not. Because if I put my job, my family, anybody in front of recovery, I'm not a nice person. So the best gift I can give anybody today is to put my recovery and my relationship with my higher power first. And then the 12 steps is the skeleton. And then I have other practices that I do that enhance that. But the core of it still is the 12 steps. And for me, part of that discipline is to loosen up personally, because I am so rigid. And I, that's why, you know, I don't know if you have Hal in this area, but in my area, I loved Hal because they, they controlled every moment of my life. They told me what my absence was. They told me what my food plan was. They told me how to do it. I loved it. I did it. You know, and this is just my experience again. 
We talk about how defiant we are. I'm not really defiant. I did what everybody told me to do, but it had nothing to do with the steps. If they said jump, I said how high. You know, when I, I heard it with you guys at the end of the meeting, you know, um, keep coming back, it works if you work it. No one ever told me what it was. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I see myself, the reason I said that is because I didn't know what else to say. I saw people hurting and I wanted to help them, but I didn't know how to help them because I was never taught the, the instructions to help anybody. So today, when I say that, you know, I can go up to someone, I can now help them, because not because of me, but because I know the instructions in this book. So I, and what my job is to do is to get someone connected with a power, and then we become co-fellows. I don't consider myself their sponsor, I consider myself their co-fellow in recovery. And I'm there, and I, and I always say to them, where to test to, is just let me know how I can be useful. Because once I get caught up and I'm gonna keep someone abstinent, I get exhausted and inefficient. All I can do is carry this message and what you guys choose to do with it is your business between you and your higher power. Um, so it is three o'clock. So we will take another, does anyone have any questions? Well, I'm gonna turn off the recorder.